Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. Uh, I'm James. I'm here, as always, joined by Mark Schofield. And we also have a guest fresh off a big one at the weekend, which I'm sure we're going to get to talking about at some point. Yannick Blair is with us. How's it going, man? Good, man. Excited to be back. It's uh, yeah, my second appearance on Bench Units. I feel I'm honoured that I've been requested to come back. So. Hey, well, we, we didn't tell you this before we hit record, but little known facts, you're the... Um you're the guest on our most listened to episode ever by exact by exactly one listen. You were actually tied until late last night when I thought I should do my research. So I listened back through like the first hour of the episode and that's nudged you into first place. Nice. Um, yeah, wow. There you go. So yeah, no pressure on this one. Eh? I was going to say better provide some decent content for the listeners. <laughs> yeah. We, we hinted when we did a podcast, God, yesterday, who do we think we are, um, about the fact that we were going to have someone on this podcast to talk about that game. And Ayaka just messaged, being like, it's Yannick, isn't it? We were all like, uh, yes, <laughs> we're not telling you, but yes, cool. Don't spoil it for everyone. Yeah, stop it, Ayaka. No, uh, thanks for the interactions. But yeah, so a very, very vague question to start with. How's Germany treating you? Awesome, man. Um, loving it so far. I'm actually just because of where I'm laying on my couch and looking, I'm looking at some mold that's growing in the top corner of my living room, which is this is just like a new um, living experience in Germany, which I hadn't hadn't experienced prior to this. That um, apparently you have to, as a German, I forget the name now. I'm not going to try and say it in German because my German is still pretty rough. But basically, there's this thing they do where they open all the doors and windows in their house for 15 minutes every evening and maybe morning and evening, which I have not been doing. And therefore, I've got mold growing in my apartment. But once that's rectified, everything else is amazing. Um, the club's really good, looking after me really well. Um, yeah, really nice apartment aside from the mold, uh, which is a me problem. Um, yeah, and, the, and you know, like this really professional club, really high-quality practice sessions. Um, yeah, it's just I can't, I can't fault it. It's getting cold. That's probably the only other thing that maybe isn't as nice as Spain, but apart from that, I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah, I guess the thing with the weather is you weren't exactly in Malaga or Gran Canaria like you were in Bilbao, which is, I can tell you from being there right now, it's it's not nice either. Like I got a message from someone being like, I'm so jealous of you guys in Spain with the weather. And I was like, someone from back home in Belfast, I was like, I guarantee you it's identical right now. Like it's like <laughs> nine degrees and raining, but yeah. Yeah, man. The nice thing is it won't get too much colder. Like you might get a little bit in Jan, but it's not like cold, cold. It's just wet all the time, which is obviously. Yeah. But you're, you're from, obviously where you're from in Australia, is that hot weather, cold weather generally? Yeah, it's we're about three hours, two and a half hours inland. So it's, um, yeah, hot, dry summers and, and fairly cold by Australian standards in the winter, but dry, no humidity at all. Fair enough. You, you'll you'll cope in Germany, right? And I'm sure, Landil, you say they're as professional as they are. I'm sure you've got like similar to when you get the Olympic kit and you have every single imaginable like shape and size of garment for every weather condition. So they'll sort you out. Yeah, no, there's there's no issues there, and and you know the countries are set up for you know it's been cold here for a long time, so people <laughs> are aware that it's going to be cold. So you know the house is really well insulated, like it's it's good. There's um, yeah, it's it's awesome. Not like in the UK where snow falls at some point every year and everybody freaks out despite the fact that snow falls every year and then the snow dries up and falls again two weeks later and everybody freaks out again. Yeah. Bench units home improvement. I love this. We've talked about mold, we've talked about insulation, we've talked about <laughs> Hey, we don't we know what brings the lessons in, it's whatever Yannick talks about. But yeah, so Yannick, last time you were on I don't know. You hadn't really, it hasn't been public that you were going to Landill. I think I'd heard whispers and when I was asking you about it, you didn't tell us. I really wanted to be like, it's Landill, tell everyone. <laughs> but no, I didn't. But yeah, why, what made you take the leap there, apart from the fact that they're the, probably the most successful and well-run wheelchair basketball team of all time? Yeah, I mean, probably that's a huge part of it. Um, just, it's one of the few clubs, I think, that when they make you that offer, you should almost definitely say yes, I think, like just in terms of um, life experience and, and like in a professional standpoint, I think it's just the the right move, even if it's only for a year just to experience it. But I think most people that come here, especially once they 
they have been here for a little while. They, it's a place they want to stay because um, it's a place where you can really develop yourself and continue to develop yourself. That's how I feel on a, on a basketballing standpoint just because of I think like the main easiest way I describe it is like the attention to detail that we, that we have in, in the club and um, it, playing the right brand of basketball no matter, no matter what, playing the, the purest style that we can and, and, and just making the right basketball decisions all the time, which is something that um, doesn't always happen and doesn't happen in, in all clubs, but here it certainly does and that's why I'm enjoying being here. Like, there's a high level of account- accountability across our entire playing group. Um, which I really appreciate as well. Um, and I guess, yeah, it's just an environment where you want to get better. I know after my first couple of practice sessions, I was like, fuck, this is, um, this is a high standard. And like, I don't, like, I wanted to, wanted to, I didn't want to drop the ball. I didn't want to be the one that wasn't up to the standard. So you're making sure that you're recovering well and like bringing your A game, I guess, to the practice sessions because they're at a really high standard. It just, yeah, an environment where you want to get better and you want to, you want to play well. You want to, Sure. That that's crazy, man. You said like obviously you coming into like James says the most professional and well-run club. <laughs> the you having the outlook of I don't want to be the one who lets the standard drop when you yourself are a, a three-time Paralympian and just coming off a, a win of the Spanish League. I guess mm-hmm. that kind of illustrates the the standard that is actually out there. If you're feeling like you need to hold up your end of the like go the extra mile to hold up your end, there is kind of mad because we. We've been talking, we've done these roundups the last few weeks and one thing we touched on when we recorded yesterday was the fact that Germany's not massively deep like compared to your past years in Spain. So it's obviously yourselves, uh, Thuringen Bulls, and then a bit of a drop-off to everybody else. So how do you guys kind of handle the long season knowing that you might only get tested a couple of times in that in that kind of long run. Yeah, I guess that's one of the challenges and we, we probably haven't done the best job of it thus far. Like we'd, we'd had maybe 20 point wins in the first four games. I think they were. And, and we probably should have won by more if, and it was like, and we, I don't know. I don't want to say we were worried about the Bulls game. I mean, we were because there's a really, really good team, but we weren't necessarily worried because we hadn't been smashing teams, but we, we knew that we had to play a lot better than we had been in order to beat them. Um, so that's something that we, yeah, we, we were aware of that we had been sort of dropping our level a little bit, um, which is, yeah, now we're hoping that after rising to the occasion on the weekend and matching the Bulls level, which is obviously an incredibly high level, our, our hope is that we can now maintain this going forward. And I guess... We've had some some major new pieces put in the team, and and I guess that's one of the things that you have to get used to, and and sort of find yourself and create your new team identity, which is I guess what we've done now, and, and we're still working on it, and we're hoping we're still going to continue continually improve each week. But um, but yeah, as you say, there there are some some weaker teams in in the German league, but I still even feel I thought it would be maybe worse coming in, but. Um, I feel like like V Spartan have got a really nice team. Hanover are pretty good. Like they they make you play them. You you can't even even if they are maybe a little bit weaker. Some of these other mid tier teams, you still have to show up. Like it's not as simple as as just rocking up and, and getting it done. I think they make you beat them by playing good basketball because sure. um, they've all got some reasonable threats and they're all um, reasonable professional clubs. So yeah, it's still they're they're good battles on the weekend, and I think. Like this weekend, we play against Trier, which has got Dirk Passiwan, and he's the kind of guy that that'll drop forty or fifty in in most games, no matter how well you defend him. So, um, those are, those will be enjoyable games, and they'll test other facets of our defense as well, which we're excited about. Yeah, he had a what was it a quiet thirty five last weekend? I, I don't remember. Every weekend, Mark makes me guess how many he has, and I'm always <laughs> under. Like I picked, yeah. I picked thirty one. He was like, was yeah. it higher? <laughs> no, I think. One of the things I don't know, I've never played in Germany, but it seems to me like every team there is at least very physical. If like even the lower teams, so I, I wonder, does that kind of contribute to you guys having that sort of challenge of like, okay, these guys are going to be as physical as us maybe, but if we can just try and take it away from them basketball wise, like I think that's an interesting comment you made about you just like trying to sort of play the purest form of basketball possible. Do you think that's kind of 
something that gives you guys at least a bit of a challenge when you're playing teams that you should blow out. Yeah, and and, and I think the fact that we we generally know if we can stick to more or less our processes, and this is super cliche, but I'm saying it anyway. Um, over 40 minutes, I think, because maybe we're deeper than than most teams, other than maybe the Bulls. The Bulls is the other one that goes really deep into their bench, but it's something that we can do, and and because we can rotate well, and and we should in theory be able to maintain our level pretty high because of that over 40 minutes we know that we'll generally we should generally be able to get over the top of most teams like we played Hamburg two weeks ago and we really struggled at the start and they came out really really hot like credit to them they made some really tough shots that Kamali was just hitting it hitting shots from everywhere so but we knew that if we maintained our pressure and our our intensity over 40 minutes like there's no way that they could they could they could maintain or stick with us for that period so that's kind of the the vibe that um, that I get, I guess. Yeah, man. And um, you kind of mentioned your your bench there and your group of guys that you've got. We so we've both watched uh, your game against Bulls, and one thing that struck me is you guys are about as diverse of a group, kind of in terms of nationalities. I mean, when we had you on, when you were post Bilbao, you kind of mentioned how Bilbao was split into the Spanish and the, or the Basque and the Anglo-Saxon factions of the the team. But you guys, you couldn't even begin to divide up kind of Landil's allegiances. Um, and on top of that, you've got a, a Canadian coach who's one of the few female coaches in, you know, coaching professionally in Europe anywhere. So how do you think that kind of melting pot of styles and ideas kind of fits together in this iteration of the team? Yeah, I guess it, it, I don't know, really. It works, though, and that's something I really enjoy. And it's it's cool to have so many different countries and, and playing styles represented, but I guess because everyone plays, at a, we all played a pretty high standard and, and all play with our respective national teams. And um, So we've all learned and got pretty good fundamentals, I would say. Um, all come from pretty, pretty high-caliber national programs, and a lot of us have been through college, maybe four of us in the U.S. as well, so... Um, but I think it's mainly because we like, I guess, well coached and like we're well drilled and, and, and like there's no, we don't really have any doubt, I guess, and well led like Simon and, and Tommy are good, good leaders. And, and yeah, so I guess, and good communication is always key as well. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's working thus far, which is yeah, super enjoyable. And I love playing. Yeah. The Japanese guys are awesome to play with. And I've never played with a Dutch player before. So playing with Quinton's cool. Um, Tommy is a freak, especially when he plays like he did on Saturday. God, yeah, so we'll get to him in a minute when we uh, when we start to break the game now, because that was like nothing I've ever seen. <laughs> something else, but yeah. No, it's it's working, so it's cool. Yeah, something something you mentioned that you mentioned. Mark mentioned Janet, and you went on to speak about her a bit. Like I've heard a handful of really good things of her as a coach, and obviously watching how you guys play and how that team has been run in the last while. I, I would believe it's all true, but like, can you speak to us a little bit about how she is as a coach, um, whether that's personality-wise or temperament or just how you guys are run? Because I've heard some of the detail you guys get into is absolutely, absolutely amazing. But yeah, I just yeah, I'm and, trying and, to know. Yeah, I mean, it, she she's very, very good. And it's, it's nice that she wasn't like the next player. So she sees it through the eyes, sees basketball through the eyes of a player, which is, which is nice and like, she can give you those really specific bits of feedback on chair position and stuff like that, which is good. Um, and then, yeah, just a huge amount of attention to detail and almost to the point of you could, it, it's definitely closer to too much than not enough, which is probably where you want, um, especially in the week in the lead up to the Bulls game. Like uh, I'd never, this is obviously the first time that I've, that I've been a part of the Bulls Landil match. And I, I was aware that there's obviously a huge rivalry over the last five or more years. And, um, being a part of it the entire week is like there's certainly a buzz in the air and our practice sessions go even longer and and there's even more you know we run through every different scenario that they can throw at us and all the different you know, different variables that we might see and might not see and you know, like you now we have a couple of two different video sessions a week and like heavily bulls focused on in both and yeah so there's every different scenario is, is generally covered off which is it's just a lot to take in especially the first time I think generally it might get easier from here but it was yeah, it was a lot a lot of information but you feel well prepared I guess when you get out there so 
Sure. Yeah. yeah, it's the, the kind of the level of detail that's too much to just have written on the back of your hand as, as you're going into yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, it's a long list for sure. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, obviously you mentioned the Bulls game right there and we'll get to it in a second, but in terms of kind of this being your first time in Germany, uh, we tend to ask this people who've not been on before, but obviously this is a new league situation for you. So is there anything about living in Germany outside of, you know, the, the mold in your apartment. Um, is there anything about living in Germany, playing in Germany, players you've bumped into, uh, like lineups you've seen that are weird and wacky that you kind of haven't experienced before that you're like, man, this is different to Spain. Um, no, I mean, we, there's, there's the, the, the lack of the junior point reduction means that maybe you're generally speaking, playing against less points and maybe, it's a little bit faster basketball, like smaller and, and, and a bit more mobility, I guess. And that's especially how we play. Like if you look at our starting five, it's it's like from the weekend, it's pretty small. Like Brian Bell is a smallish four and a half, certainly not a big one, like medium sized. And then the rest of us are all like none of us are, are particularly big, um, but all have like pretty good chess skills and, and, and mobile. And I think that's probably more so how the, how the German league is a little bit, I guess. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I don't know. It's it, the the trips are a lot easier. It's so, it's super nice to travel here. Like it, we only do one overnight trip to Hamburg. The rest is all just day trips. And that's really really nice. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That it's it's nice being a part of this. Like I guess Northern European culture. Like saunas are cool after practice. Um, and that's that's an enjoyable part. And, and the I guess being in Germany, the, the amount of beer and being sponsored by a, by a beer company is pretty incredible. Having that's why you're there, really. Then is that how the, yeah? Is having that unlimited, how having, when having unlimited went down. Did they just come in and put the put the bottles on the table and be like, take your pick? Yeah, essentially, like we have unlimited supply of like we're sponsored by Lisha, which is a, a beer, a brewery, a local brewery from from the region, and we have unlimited supply of of Lisha after. That's what one of the great things about this club is their their ability to I guess attract sponsors, and then one of the things they like us to do after the games is interact with the sponsors, and that always involves having a beer straight after the game and and shooting the shit, talking to the sponsors and just to the public about the game. So and usually after a you know you've just played for the last hour and a bit and haven't eaten anything, and the first thing you do is drink a beer. I usually have two, and I'm half cut before I before I do it. Before I hit the shower, I have a third in the shower, and then I basically pass out. So. <laughs> Standard post-game awesome. recovery. Got to get your minerals in, don't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. A few liquid breads, and then that's, <laughs> the night's the night's sorted. Yeah. So you can ha- you can rehydrate on a Sunday; it's fine. But yeah, you kind of you mentioned like hanging around, talking to the fans. That's one thing that I'm sure. Like obviously, you came from Bilbao, which I'm starting to learn has like a pretty good fan base obviously but I think Landil is just a different animal altogether what's it like you've like had fans back in the arena obviously post I say post-COVID we're not post-COVID we're kind of post-restrictions but what's yeah. it been like to play in front of the the sort of famous Landil crowd no oh, incredible I think they had just over a thousand on the weekend a thousand and forty something yeah. I think was the official number so which they were they were really happy about they they bat that's back to around their pre-COVID numbers and when they're in the old gym and the old gym's capacity was only just over a thousand, so they used to fill it, and apparently the atmosphere was incredible, which I can imagine now in the new gym. I think the capacity is a bit over four thousand, so they're on their way. Like it's going to be a slow process, especially now post COVID, to get to get back to those and even higher numbers. But yeah, even with a thousand in there, it was incredible, and and there was maybe a hundred between 1500 Bulls fans that came down and they bring their drums and and make a lot of noise as well so yeah it's awesome and like it was a nail-biting game as you guys would could attest to like I don't think that the lead was ever more than maybe six either way like they were up we were up they were up we were up just real good old-fashioned arm wrestle so it was a edge of your seat sort of stuff and everyone that we spoke to afterwards was like ah such an incredible game such really really tight and high standard wheelchair basketball so and ultimately, we won, which is what the majority of the fans that were present wanted. So everyone was pretty stoked. Yeah, that makes a difference. <laughs> sure thing. Um, so, kind of last thing on the on the Landil specifics before we before we crack on. We've mentioned you've obviously got a fairly world class selection of 
teammates out there. Is there anyone who you've kind of, I think it's like one of the moments when you join a new team and you see a couple of these guys in practice sessions for the first time and you're like, oh my God, this guy is like, obviously, you know, these guys are world-class, but you kind of see them at their best or their most easygoing in practice. Has there been anyone who you've watched and been like, I cannot believe this guy is this good? Um. The guy, one of the guys that just impressed me is that the able-bodied guy that we have, Mark Mark Beeset. Oh yeah, uh, he, he's really handy. Like he's a really like he's a knockdown shooter. He probably shoots the ball too much and too quickly, but um, the, therefore you have to defend him really hard because you know that like he, he's just a black hole basically. Like as soon as he catches it, he'll just roost it from anywhere. So um, <laughs> and for an able-bodied guy, like I'm I'm always really impressed when there's a really good able-bodied player. So um, he he impressed me, Mandy. Maybe because my standards or my <laughs> thoughts were that he wouldn't be that good, but he actually is. So um, playing against Simon's always hard work. Like I knew I played a lot against him internationally and um, a little bit in club ball. I know he's generally not very enjoyable to play against. So um, I was reasonably aware, but then he's obviously also been good. Brian, like the same. I think I've played it enough against all of them and I've, I've probably lost enough games against all of them, maybe one, you know, we traded enough, but Brian's another one that does, he's just a super athletic guy, does some incredible stuff in his chair with the ball, without the ball. So, um, but yeah, no, it's across the board. It's been, it's been, yeah, pretty impressive. I, I absolutely love that you've just come on here and said that in the like most professionally well-run wheelchair basketball team in the world, there's an able-bodied guy that shows up training and just jacks up shots. Like, I've heard about this before, but I love that so much that he's like, yeah. "Who are these guys? Give me the ball." <laughs> I'm, I'm usually with him. Like if if we're playing together, I'll usually just get on the dive for him because. Yeah. I just love doing that. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, like, and they always jump in really quick because he's a good shooter and they know they've got to jump in fast. And, but he just, and I'm always saying, just like, put the ball on the floor, pick and roll, or like, I'll try and take you to the rack or just do something. But he just doesn't. And just big fluent English, but it's like in those moments, he just doesn't understand, understand me. He just <laughs> sees the thing and just like, all right, it's going up. Like, well, yeah, one of these guys that catches the ball and he's like, yeah, the basket's always open. It's fine. I'll yeah. figure it out. I love that. Does um so obviously you grew up playing in Australia. Does the Australian league or the lower Australian leagues have the tradition we have over here, where almost every team has an able-bodied player who's somebody's brother? Um yeah yep and yeah. mine mine were those people at one point. <laughs> <laughs> might might have played a bit, but yeah in 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 our top league they can't play, but yeah in the in the regional comps and and those sort of things, yeah, there's always yeah. someone's someone's brother or cousin that's out there balling. Yeah, I, I, was, I was just thinking about that because I, I grew up playing with Harry Brown when we were kids and his brother used to jump in and play and his brother was legitimately might be better than Harry. It was absolutely <laughs> like, like nothing I've ever seen. Um, but he just beating up on disabled people. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah he, he couldn't play in the top league and I, always, I used to say to Harry, I was like, if we could just rope Jack in and he could play as well, we'd be in business here. But um yeah, it's funny that, like James says, best run team in the world and the guy who's effectively playing the role of someone's brother who loves beating up on the disabled kids is like, right, get me in. These guys don't yeah. care. These guys have just got Paralympics to prep for and whatever, but I've got shots to get up. Exactly. He's got buckets to make and he makes them. <laughs> <laughs> Legend. But yeah, Mark, I love how you, you, you introduced this last bit as like the last Landil specific bit, but we're about to get a lot more specific. Should we talk about the game at the weekend? Let's do it. Cool. So that, this is less Landil specific because we're talking about two teams now, I guess. Yeah, we're going to get hyper specific though, probably. I don't know. Will we? Will we get lost in the woods? Weeds? We, we should do something. Like figuring out whether people like that or not. We still don't know why people listen to this. So this might be a way to figure it out. It's fine. Yeah. There's a track. There's a track record that says people will listen to what Yannick has to say. Um, so yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, we didn't cover this on our roundup episode because we knew we had this episode in the pipeline, and we were going to bring in Yannick, who's still drenched in the blood of the Bulls team. Um, so this was a 71 to 69 uh, Landil win over Thuringia Bulls. So just very quickly, going back to what you said, Yannick, the biggest lead for either team was Landil leading by four or Thuringen leading by six. 
Um, and then ultimately a two point win for you guys. So when we first jumped on this call with you, you talked about how battered you were feeling, hence you lying on your couch as you talk to us right now. Um, is that still the, still the battle scars wearing off? It's either that or the, or the, the beers on Saturday night afterwards. It's one of the two, and maybe a combination of both. Um, I ended up in like a dingy uh, German punk rock bar until the and where everyone was dressed up in, I'm not sure if it was their Halloween costume or just that they're like German sort of underground punk bikey type vibe. I have to go back next Saturday and figure that out. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a taxing game for sure. Uh, I think I probably only played maybe 20 minutes, but certainly felt it like the next day it's high tempo and um, the bulls are really, really strong in transition. And we, we knew that going in, that was one of their, their, it's one of the main ways that they score baskets basically. Um, so we knew we had to be really switched on in our transition from, from O to D and, and take that away, which generally involves um, a lot of hard pushing and taking out, taking away their crossing in, in transition. So, and then we obviously like to play pretty fast as well. We're, as I mentioned before, we're pretty small in our starting lineup, um, the one that I play in. So we we're, have to be fast, I guess, and have to move the ball well. And, and then when we're defending, we have to be super mobile. So, yeah, it certainly takes a, takes a toll. Sure. So we've had a quick peek at the stat sheet in anticipation of this. Uh, we've kind of touched on this a little bit already, but the stat that jumps out above all the others is Tommy Bomer taking 30 <laughs> shots and getting 35 points. Um, that yeah. seems to contradict a little bit about what you said about you guys playing the purest style of basketball <laughs> you can, but I think this was one of those games that you occasionally see in like game seven of the NBA playoffs where teams not abandon the game plan, but they're like, Hey, we just need to get a shot up here. Let's get it to our guy that can get shots up. Yeah. And I don't know, I guess I haven't been here long enough and been a part of enough of these bulls land deal games, but uh, Tommy has been here for forever. And I don't know, he, he he's just one of those guys. And when he gets in that zone, then he, you just know, and we all know that they're they're going up, and it doesn't matter where from. <laughs> like you, you could you could call a lot of them quite ambitious, um, but they're the ones that generally go in. And he's kind of like the able-bodied guy. Like he, when you know that he's going to shoot it, it makes the defense just freak out because you've got and you're just so out of position because you're jumping him all over the place. He will shoot them super unconventionally and in really weird spots. So. When you've got to have a chair on him all the time, I think it just makes us so much harder to defend. Um, and then obviously when he's shooting it, was it 50% clip? Is that what he shot at? Yeah, yeah, 15 from 30, bang on. Yeah. So when and when he's shooting at a pretty high clip as well, like it's yeah, it's it's hard work and and yeah, and I don't know. When he shot one, I reckon maybe in the second start of the second quarter, later the first. I was on the on the weak side and he literally closed his eyes as he shot it and it switched it. And I thought <laughs> Tommy's in that zone and he's not gonna miss now, or at least he might miss, but he won't stop shooting. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna he's gonna make one in the next couple. I'd heard yeah. Something that someone had to point out to me about Tommy Wilma that I didn't really. Do you ever get someone mention something to you and you're like, oh, yeah, that's absolutely true? Joe Best, like a couple of years ago, was like, Tommy might be the best, like, tough shot maker I've ever seen. And it kind of only clicked on, clicked there where it's like, he has that thing of, like, as you say, when he gets going, if the ball's in his hands anywhere from 30 feet, he's like, hey, the most dangerous thing about me is that I might just pull this one, even though I shouldn't. <laughs> and I think yeah. that's the thing, the way you guys like that lineup, so mobile and stuff, you're like really, really well equipped to take advantage of someone needing jump 30 feet from the basket because they have a combination of the ability and the audacity to shoot it. Like, yeah, definitely the audacity. There's no lack of confidence there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's kind of the same thing against us in Tokyo. I'm not going to talk about, we'll not go back. We'll, we'll, we'll say on Sunday, but he did that to us in Tokyo a little bit where he was like, yeah, I'm going to shoot eight threes. Like some of them are going to be like pump fake. You jump me. I take a dribble to the side and I shoot it. Like I'm an NBA player, like sidestepping. But yeah, he just has that thing of like, he's so dangerous. Cause he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pull this. It's just, it's going like 
it's something that not a lot of wheelchair basketball guys have. I don't think a lot of guys like their spots and they like going, okay, you've jumped me here, pump fake, three dribbles this way. Okay, I'm on the baseline now. I'll pull this one. But he's just like, you shoot them on the move, shoot them off the dribble, like in yeah, range. With someone jammed in your wheel, spinning, like make the <laughs> run, all that sort of stuff, yeah. But the funny the funny thing about it, and we we had a feeling like he didn't have a great shooting game against Hamburg. I don't know if you guys watched that one. And then during practice, he was average at best. <laughs> Still letting him fly, pulling it. But then he just showed up on the weekend, which is ultimately all that matters. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. um, And we, we and one of those guys, he, just, he might miss a couple, but he's never going to stop shooting. Like, and just shoots through the rough patches. And luckily for him, they're generally not so long, maybe two or three shots, and then he's back on again. So, sure. Yeah, yeah that's, um, uh, that's interesting, actually, because you, what you said about Joe, um, what you said about Joe calling him the toughest shot maker in the world, probably. It hadn't really struck me until just now, but Brian Bell's also probably second on that list. But yeah, you guys have got a lot of guys that have got that sort of mobility and that sort of, I think it's like trunk mobility and like good hands com- like combined to being able to like finish cross body and a little floaters and stuff. Those guys both have that in like in buckets. Yeah, yeah, Brian yeah. might have been the first shot he made in the game. It was like super unconventional, like on the 45s, shooting yeah, like across yeah. body and off the glass. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so nice and he, he makes it look really easy, but when you look at it, you're like, yeah, there's a high degree of difficulty to that shot. But sure. Um, so, kind of on the other side, we talked about Tommy. Tommy having 35, obviously. Um, on the Thuringia side, Haluski is their leading scorer with 20 for the game. I think if I counted right as I watched the game through, he had 11 of those in the first quarter, and then you guys did more or less everything you could to take him out of the game. And Thuringa actually had nobody else in double figures for the game, which is weird because me and James were talking just yesterday about stat sheets that don't look like they add up to the total number of points that the team got, which is definitely the case for this one because it's Mm. 20 from Haluski and then a series of eights and sixes from everyone else. Um, Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, that that makes sense because... I went Fishbuck had eight, Geordie would have had six or eight, that Carlos had six, I reckon, Yitzka had six, I'm trying to think who else. Um, Vahid, how many did he have? Six or eight, obviously. Uh, Vahid had five, yeah, then you're right there. Yitzka was six, Joachim Linden was six, Geordie with eight, oh. Binek with eight, Carlos Podnex with six, oh. Jens with two, and Dylan with eight. Yeah, there you go. Well, I mean, sure it's the depth, like they've got talent all the way through. We did our, our scattering report and, you know, you've got one th- threats, one through nine, and they're all, like, high standard. And um, I can imagine their practice sessions must be off the out of this world. But, um, but, yeah, I guess we did a good enough job. We know that Haluski is sort of the, and everyone knows that he's sort of heart and, the heart and soul of Turrigan. So if he gets going, if he gets hot, he's a little bit like Tommy in that sense that, and he's just so big and so long and, and pushes so hard that, if he gets him really into the game, it's it's hard work to get him out of it. So that was we we're pretty aware of that. Aware of that, and he started well. So we yeah, definitely paid a lot more attention to him after that to try and take him out of his rhythm because he can be a really difficult man to stop. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He he um, he, he went first two offenses of the game from their side. I think he got a, got a layup on the very first possession, and then. Yeah. next time they brought the ball down, he kind of dribbled around behind the screen for a bit, got double jumped, didn't really like his dump down option and was like, I probably shouldn't shoot this, but this is going up. And it was clean. <laughs> At that point, I think that only made it 4-0, but I was like, oh boy, this could be this could be the Haluski show, but you guys obviously had other plans. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's one of those things. We they came out hot and, and speaking to people that had come and watched like it, there was a lot of people that thought from the way they started that we were going to be in trouble and probably based on their form in, in the previous weeks where they've been putting up massive numbers like 110, 120. They, people, plenty of people thought we might be in trouble, but I don't know. It's one of those things. You, we, we knew over 40 minutes that we'd be able to sort of work our way back in and I think even by quarter time we were, we were back in it. Yeah. Really so. yeah. You guys did a remarkable job of dealing with size. Like obviously – these guys just are off the back of winning Champions Cup by the heed 
just running through the whole world of wheelchair basketball like Godzilla through Tokyo and Haluski <laughs> jumping in with his fair amount as well. But like Haluski kind of got off a little bit, but Vahid having five points, like, because you guys are, as you say, you're not small, but you're not like, you're no real giants. Brian's a fairly small four or five as far as the yeah. Vahids and Haluskis of the world go. But you guys started the game like straight away with, somewhere like sometimes a full court press sometimes just the highest line I think I've ever seen that like about as high as you could call a half court defense obviously that was that was a, a point of emphasis was it to try and just limit what those guys could do inside yeah and I I mean for sure and the hard thing is look at that nice inside outside sort of spread with some nice three-point shooters that and they're not afraid to shoot three so you've got to be pretty aware of that um like with Dil- like bringing in someone like Dylan Fishbuck, like small class four, but obviously he shoots the piss out of the ball. So you've got to be really aware of him. And Jordy is a nice three-point shooter and he's well and truly got the green light there. So oh, yeah, he's, he's, not afraid to let, he's not afraid to let him fly. So um, now that they've let him off the leash and like Haluski as well, lets him fly. So you've got to be aware of that. But then at the same time, cover, like stay at home on somebody. So yeah, we're... So then they're aware of it. And I think we did a really good job. There are a few obvious breakdowns at certain points, but I think overall we were a really strong defensive team. And we actually had, I don't know, maybe three or four 24-second violations where um, they, we either got the straight-up 24 or they had to throw up like some junk, like Vahid throwing up like a fadeaway over over Rio or I remember with one Geordie got called for it with the 24 seconds. And I reckon our better defensive lineup was was our um, our second lineup with the two four fives and the two threes and and Katarina. and Kata, yeah. I think because I, I want to say I was on the bench watching when when we got those had those really nice like defensive twenty four second defensive. Um, but yeah, so it was it was nice to watch and, and yeah, good to be a part of. Sure, yeah. Because you guys had started that lineup a couple of times, I'd seen. If I'm not mistaken, you guys had started the one with the two, four, fives, two, threes. Yeah, I think we've alternated maybe every game. So we'll That's see what cool, man. Yeah. That kind of shows like a level of specificity in coaching, which you don't see like going back to the good things I'd heard about Janet, like having like, okay, this these starters will actually give us something specific against these guys rather than just like, this is the five people that I write down at the yeah. start of yeah. the That's So cool. many. So many coaches just get through kind of the week after week regular season games with we roll out our usual first five and we see if we're better at what we do than than they are at what they do. It's like we won't overplan for you if you don't overplan for us. Kind of gentleman's agreement born out of laziness almost. But uh, yeah, it's it's cool that this is obviously only a handful of weeks into the season and you guys had this level of of prep for them. Um just on that note, because you've kind of talked about your your two units. You guys have Dominique Mosler on your bench, who I think has been there a couple of years and plays kind of fleetingly, a bit matchup dependent. He didn't play for nearly the whole game and then kind of came in to seal the deal for the last five minutes. Was that size matching? Was that foul trouble? Was that was what was the kind of what was the attention to detail that you've talked about leading to that decision, I guess? Yeah. So that, and that would probably be our third lineup now, I guess, which was, is four, five, four, three, five, three, and then Kata. So yes. the, the positive is you can bring hero back on with, with Dom and then taking off Rio. And in this moment, it was Quinton. And I, I guess hero had been really hot pretty much the whole game on the weak side, providing Tommy with that, um, yeah. weak side release and he'd been just knocking him down behind the screen so I think that was probably a bit of it and then obviously the size as well um, Dominic moves his chair well and, he, and he's a big body in, in defense and he actually made one of his free throws when the game might have been tied with two or three minutes to go so that was really clutch I think to put us up one if I'm not mistaken yeah you're um, right he, he has just while we're on that he has been through more free throw routines than any player I've ever seen yeah, he, he had a stretch where he was shooting from his left shoulder with his right hand, and then he had a stretch where he was shooting just one-handed, like left hand off the ball completely, like yeah. shot putting. And now he—I don't know what he's doing at the moment, but it looks unorthodox <laughs> at the very least. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, one of them went in in a game he won by two. So, like, yeah. <laughs> he also, like, I was going to describe him as, like, check in, get a steal that seals the game, check back out. But, yeah. <laughs> but he, he also did get a steal that may have won us the game. Like, it was yeah. probably, in terms of quality, like, quality for minutes, value for minutes, you would have to say he would have the highest, he, well, I don't know, maybe Tommy, but, like, he, he came on for that four minutes maybe, um, yeah, got fouled. plus four in four minutes <laughs> in yeah, a game. Yeah, like two. yeah. yeah. <laughs> double, double your margin of victory by himself. Yeah, because there was a moment, I think, Geordie, they'd run a pick and roll, like we jumped Geordie. Um, I think maybe Vahid had set the pick, Geordie rolled low and then tried to dump it over the top of Dom to Vahid, which would have then been probably two points. Um, and it was in that moment where we were maybe up one, could have been, and Dominic stole it and then um, fed it out to Brian on the fast break. And, mm-hmm. yeah, he put us up, I don't know, by a couple, by obviously two more. Um, but, yeah, and that's like a super clutch moment of the game. So credit to him. And, and to be cold, come off the bench after just sitting and watching for 36 minutes. And, yeah, so it was awesome. Was yeah, was cool, man. And that was kind of a theme in the last minute of the game as well. Brian getting Brian got two or three runaways. It was two, wasn't it, right? In like the last minute and a half. Yeah. One yeah. from a, a pass. I think Geordie overthrew a pass to to Haluski. I don't know whether it was overthrown or he just didn't catch it, but it sp- spilled out the back. And yeah, Brian scooped it up. And the other one was Dominic Steele and also out to Brian. So that's got to be pretty soul crushing for the Bulls to give up two fast break layups in a game where we might have. I don't know if we had any others. I don't recall any other. Yeah. Fast break. That's, yeah that's the, it's it impossible to tell on the stream. Sorry, it's impossible to tell on the stream whether that was overthrown or whatever because the camera changes yeah. just as the ball is like right here. So it's like I rewind it like six times and I'm like, I yeah. can't tell if that's like a bad pass or if he should have caught that. Generally, yeah. if you're as big as Haluski, I'm like, ah, eh, you could probably catch, but I don't know. But yeah, that's that's a tough look. But you guys nearly gave them one back with a pass off the back of the backboard as well. Oh, how, how, how about that? <laughs> and, and I mean, on top of that, like I watched that again, it went straight off the backboard into Vahid's hands. Like he'd literally just, boom, turned ball in his hands, threw it out the front to, I can't remember who, but then they passed to Carlos Pothniks, the world's most ripped wheelchair basketball player. Oh, yeah, Red City. <laughs> God, he is jacked, and it's awesome to watch in real life too because he is just absolutely yoked. But the the fast break layup, which could have been called for a foul, like we would not have had any grounds to complain had that been called an N one. I think, like I think that's a probably a good no call in that moment because you don't want the ref necessarily to decide the match. But no. um, I think that that you you we probably yeah we wouldn't be able to complain had they called that. I think it was yeah. Yeah. Who was it? I kind of remember being like, I think they did well to get there, but I don't remember who it was. It was Dom. It was Dom again. What a <laughs> man. Dominic he just came Dominic in and he went, I have four minutes. I'm deciding this game no matter what. Got 36 minutes worth of pent-up energy, man. He's like, I've not come all this way just for two warm-ups. Right. But if, but if I'm Dom in that moment, like we're up three with, I don't know, 10 seconds to go and he's already inside the three-point line. He's obviously going for a layup back. Like, Obviously, maybe you don't have the presence of mind because everything's happened so fast and you're not expecting Hero to throw it off the backboard. But, um, like, you just run away. You don't even give the ref an, op- ref an opportunity yeah. to call that foul. Yeah. But um, I'm happy that the ref didn't because those are the ones where, you, you're like, you like, you just don't want the ref to make, yeah, to call sure. the game. So, I think yeah. that's the big thing. Like, when people are like, people talk about referees calling things heavy or, like, calling things light or whatever, like... Most basketball players are like, hey, leave it alone. Like, yeah. blow the whistle when something stops us playing basketball or if someone's going to get hurt. Like, apart from that, get out of the way. So, I'm glad there was a no call there. Like, that's not to say I wanted the game to go one way or the other, but I'm just like, hey, if it's if it's 50 50, nah. Yeah. No, yeah. no calls in kind of game deciding moments are probably for the best, general, like, regardless of who they end up favoring. Um, yeah. Just on that, Yannick, we kind of talked about physical the German league's kind of known for being maybe more physical than the the other ones around Europe. I remember when Abdi was playing for Zwickau, he used to tell anyone who listened that Germany was the most physical league in Europe, but then he went to Italy the year after and was saying that was the most physical. So maybe it's just his, his shtick. 
But um, yeah. in terms of that, and obviously this being a high stakes game, is there any any sense of do the refs let you play a little bit more out there than your kind of experiences in Spain or or even in Euro Cup or anything like that? Um, I can't I can't honestly give you a yeah a good answer on that. I I don't know. I, I feel like it's been pretty good. Like that they, that they let a lot go. Um, I don't know. Brian's been getting was getting in foul trouble a lot early for some like I think some pretty soft calls. But then it's one of those ones where they let some really hard ones go, and then they call it little ticky ticky tacky yeah. shit. So, um, but no, I don't think it's any like massively different than than any other competition I've played in. So, okay, cool. We'll have to let Abdi know about that. No, yeah, not yeah. To, to, sum, to summarize on referees, either refs aren't good or refereeing is difficult. We'll never know. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> like trying to observe and make decision-making at a really high speed is quite hard. And also players get it wrong about as much as refs. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. That, that question was it was in no way <laughs> meant to stitch any refs up or anything. It's just, I think you do hear it from people who people who played in Germany. or I think we've probably seen it a couple of times where like German teams have come to Euro League and then they've been in foul trouble within like the first quarter because they're like, what are you talking about? This stuff normally lets, you know, people let this slide at home. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a little bit like Bill Bauer with the trainings they have there where they run is just smoking each other at practice, like just throwing full plates around left and right and then they rock up to games and like, why are all these fouls getting called? No yeah. one calls even practice. <laughs> James has said there's almost no fouling at their practice now and maybe it was you who was the instigator of all of it. Yeah, I know one person who's the instigator and I know that there's probably no fouls getting called there. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the one thing I was going to say, asking you about the level of like, People playing hard in Germany versus Spain might not have been great considering you've come from Bilbao, the team who's probably most known in Spain for like trying to beat the life out of people all the yeah. time. But yeah, like I had I had heard you'd obviously spoken to me about coming here before I before I knew I was going to. And that's the one thing that I've heard is that these guys will just beat the like beat the brakes off each other on a Tuesday night for no reason. <laughs> it is absolutely true. But I kind of I think that where I've landed on it is like anything else you would expect to be like hey if we don't train like it we're not going to do it on a Saturday so like if you want to show up and be physical on a Saturday I guess you kind of have to find a balance between not hurting your teammates but playing hard on a Tuesday night absolutely like and going back to Bill Bound now like so when I remember we played Mediba at home um, it, it had to be last year because Matt Scott was there and it was one of those really physical games and we'd just been all over him all game and ended up, we ran out, I don't know how much we were on by, but it was a little bit in the end, maybe 10 points, but we'd just been, yeah, worked worked him over physically the whole game. Like they just copped it sweet. And um, after the game, Matt and Phil and George and who else was it, Billy? It's actually when we almost, there was almost the closest all-out brawl that I've been a part of in wheelchair basketball happened after that match. But um I went up to the, those four boys because I was just sitting together and I just went up and chatted to them like, hey, just on like, try not to feel bad because this isn't because it's you guys. Like, I'm like, our, and I explained to them like, our practice sessions are like this. Like, I have to deal with this every day of the week. Like, the best thing about Saturdays is that I don't have to deal with it. I get to watch other people suffer and I can also <laughs> chip in as well. That's what I yeah. try to explain to them. I'm like, yeah. they're not doing, they're not, carrying on like this because it's you guys they just do it all the time yeah they're carrying on because it's them <laughs> because it's them and like that's just how they are like they'll do it to each other like and they and then yeah and then i don't know david came over because him and billy had been getting into it and then maybe a bit of that language barrier and you know, i don't know trying to big dick each other and then all of a sudden everyone's pushing each other and yeah that was a wild one well i didn't know that they obviously the stream was probably cut off by that point if it was post game but like i had no idea that happened but like yeah, yeah. i know like these guys obviously have an emphasis of playing hard and also about being like, Hey, don't like, just like, don't worry about getting up in people's faces. Like it's all part of it. And like, I think there is a line somewhere where it's like, Hey man, it's just basketball until it isn't. But like, I thought like a little bit of talking back and forward and a little bit of bumping people's chairs and stuff isn't going to, isn't going to ruin anyone's day. But obviously like, it's really hard to be on the other end of like, I remember playing you guys last year. There was a point yeah. where I was just like, 
I'm just on the three-point line on offense. Like, I, ca- I can't get any closer. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> Rose. Like, you're going to have to pull it from 35. <laughs> like, yeah. I remember we did the same thing to you guys at home as well. Like, it was just like, it's just, uh, yeah, relentless. Um, and that, I mean, we won a lot of games like that, which I always maintain that we definitely weren't the best basketball team, but we just were the best at winning, I guess, or like our system was really hard to beat. Um, the, the Bilbao home venue, stri- I've never been there, but it strikes me as an incredibly tough place to play for for an away team. I think partially because I've always watched the streams and it's almost always light when the game tips off and always dark by halftime. And I wonder if I wonder if teams are like, I cannot believe they've been like beating the crap out of us until like until actual nighttime at this point. It makes it feel a lot longer than it is. Yeah. Yeah, and the how the crowds are decent again, James. Like the, there's a few getting oh, yeah. there. Oh, it's it's so cool. Like because it's the most annoying thing in the world to play against, and it's super cool. Mm-hmm. Like I maintain like the best thing about being here and like playing the way Bilbao does and having the crowd here. It's not the positive; it's the lack of a negative. It's that I don't have to play against it anymore, and I don't have to listen <laughs> to it. As in, like like no one gives me abuse when I'm shooting free throws at home games. Like which it's is fun. fun. Um, yeah, it's super cool, man. And like, that's one thing that like you got, obviously speaking about you playing in Lando, like you have that times 10, but like the fact that I showed up here and we like played, I think Mercia, who are obviously new in the league and kind of ran them over, went upstairs and had a beer afterwards and everyone knew my name and was like talking to us about next week and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like you might care about this more than I do. That's nice. Like yeah. it's just super cool to have people that invested. Like we were having a beer and someone came past and he was like, hey, never mind the beers, get in the water. You've got Albacete next week. Grand Canary yeah. the week after that. Come on. And I was like, oh yeah, we do. You're right. Yeah, they live for it. Absolutely. So yeah, it's cool, man. It's, um, it's nice to have that level of investment, like emotionally. Like it's it's super cool that people like it that much is like a very like a very rudimentary thing to say about it but that's kind of how i feel like it's cool that that's that's what it's like (laughs) just um bringing this full circle a little bit when um you were on with us last yannick you kind of spoke about how one of your reasons for moving on from bilbao is that obviously bilbao is very system heavy basketball and you felt like you were um put into a box a little bit as a role player mm-hmm. um and you also mentioned as we were talking about the game just there how Jordi has also kind of moved on from Bilbao to landing in Germany um mm-hmm. so when you get when you guys like went up against each other was there kind of a, a moment of hey we we get to get to spread our wings against each other now instead of you know sitting on the block for whoever it may be <laughs> for whoever it may be yeah <laughs> interesting um yeah right. I, I told i told a story i'd heard about the same person last time and i got made to edit it out so i'll not use names yeah um yeah and we, we've been speaking a little bit about it like jordy and i obviously good friends and we've just been comparing experiences over the last couple of months since we've been here and they, and they are fairly similar like both really good clubs and and all that sort of stuff so and then we were chatting about it before the game and yeah, it's nice to see Jordy playing in a, in a team where he fits really well into their system and, and provides, gives them a lot. And I think he benefits from it and the team benefits from it. And then um, I feel the same way here. And so, yeah, and I got to put him on the floor, like had a nice hit on him on that sideline in front of our bench, which was nice. And he was flopping around trying to, I don't know, throwing himself <laughs> out of the air. Or maybe it was my hit the three matters here. I don't know, but he ended up on the ground and wanted a foul. I was like, mate, that's just good chair position. That's what that is. Yeah, you're like, come on, man. That's Monday night last year. What are we doing? <laughs> no, you wiped him out. I actually remember I was watching that in the airport because we played Grand Canaria this weekend and I was watching that in the airport with a headache and someone was like, ah, Jordy and Gordy are playing. And I was like, what? And they were like, ah, don't worry about it. But yeah, I, I saw that hit. Um, someone made me rewind it and show it to someone else on the team because they were like, hey, look at this. Yannick's wiping people out. <laughs> yeah. I got. I was actually getting booed a fair bit by the because I did the same thing to Lyndon on the other side, um, which is all right in front of the Trigan supporters, and they were booing me a little bit, which I, you know, didn't really, didn't really appreciate. But you know, they feel how they feel. It's a pretty unique experience in a wheelchair basketball game to get actively booed because normally not enough people turn. Like you guys might be at two of the clubs in the world where enough people turn up to cheer you. 
like there's there's minimal chance of anyone bothering to show up to boo you. So that's pretty, yeah. that's like something for the bucket list at least. Yeah, thinking about getting booed. This is like it wasn't getting booed, but so the previous home game against Hanover, I threw an inbound pass to Tommy and just straight up turned it over to. Um, we were running like a horn set, which is you know yeah. most people understand what that is, but and um, I just misjudged the the distance, and one of their guys turned out right as I passed it. So I just straight up turned it over, and they went down. Maybe they shot a lap. I can't remember, but just the collective sigh from <laughs> a, a, like a full gym. There was I don't know. There was less than a thousand for that one, but still maybe I don't know six, seven, eight hundred, and just everyone just been like, ah. Oh. And like that, that level of disappointment in their voices, like really, I was like, holy shit, like, fuck. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. God, it, it really just hit me hard as shit. So, so like, like when you're a kid and your parents tell you they're not angry, they're just disappointed. Absolutely. From the yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was probably some that would, would upgrade their disappointment to anger, but yeah, it was, um, I was like, fuck, I better, I need to do something good now. I need to like win their love back. You, you go up the floor the next time and call horns for yourself because you're yeah. like, I'm win back their affection. I'm going to let this go from 30. I was going to say, you pull out like the Kobe Bryant where you just motioned everybody to the sidelines so you could isolate and go one on one. Yeah, they, they probably wouldn't like that though. <laughs> I love Depends that. on the result, I guess. But A yeah. whole room full of people sighing at you and you're like, just yell at me, boo at me. Oh. Yeah. this has gotten weird but this this is a rabbit hole I don't think we've ever gotten down is like crowd psychology but this is um, no that's class there man it's really cool that obviously you've bumped up from what James has described as a really good crowd in Bilbao you're now in probably the preeminent wheelchair basketball viewing team in the world i don't know if anyone has a bigger crowd maybe some college teams in the u.s you'd probably know better than better than we would yeah nothing nothing as consistent as these guys like it's it's certainly the biggest and the most consistent so cool all right anything else mark uh i think that we've basically hit on everything there um yeah i guess last thing uh, you've obviously got a couple of months more of the season and then you guys have got Euro League coming up. Um, we talked to Rose very briefly about it the other week. Uh, you've got Gran Canaria in your group and their kind of new team that gave James a bit of a see into this past Saturday. Um, have you guys, obviously you, you'll be heavy favourites in your group. Do you kind of see anything coming up as you've obviously only done the reduced Euro League last year? Are you excited to get back to the back to the kind of full tournament format and get back to Champions Cup, hopefully, and all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I was I was stoked to find out that we get to play in the, in the first phase because, um, I don't know, just the, the more basketball that we can play, the, the better. Um, going, going to Israel, I think, is going to be an awesome experience as well. And I'm excited to play Canarias. I think their Euro lineup might not quite be as strong as their Spanish League lineup. Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't looked into it to see how that will affect them but they'll just play that that one pointer that's actually even still a two-pointer but he's just um, David Hernandez Capi yeah. Capitan yeah, yeah. <laughs> that guy um who's always also pretty pretty decent but yeah no I'm excited to play there and then um obviously the goal is to win and at least finish top two and, and progress to the next round and and start to play against some some of the other top teams and yeah and see where we go it's um yeah it's, it's exciting it's one of those things now that we're we're here in Germany. I really want to play against the top Spanish teams and see how we stack up. I want to play against, um, it'd be cool to play against some of the, yeah, maybe against Mendel's boys. If they, yeah. um, the, let, let um the good, the good news is you've, you've said about finishing top two to qualify to go through to champions league. But if you guys finish third, which I struggle to see happening, you'll get the mother of all homecoming tournaments. Cause that'll land you guys in Bilbao. Yeah, so maybe we should tank and end up there. Yeah, tank so you can show me around. That's that's what yeah. I've wanted. If you can talk your entire team into tanking just so you get a one weekend revenge tour with your old club, then you've settled in very, very well. Yeah, you know, I think we're a little bit too ambitious for that. But um, yeah, I would hope so. Like no, honestly, Janet, third is. A, I know this unbelievable craft beer, but I have to. <laughs> we have to go. <laughs> 
Have they, has anyone taken you to Mystic yet, James? Uh, yeah, once or twice. Um, it was not, it, I had not been here long by the time I had ended up in Mystic. Uh, yeah. Not a bad spot. Um, yeah. That was our local. Dressed, the people's champion. <laughs> with with Hasso, is that what you said? Yeah, I said in Hasso we trust. He's the people's champion, so yeah. yeah he is. He's the man. Yeah, he's, yeah, I've I've ended up I've ended up there at once or twice. It's 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 fun, man. Um it's it's strange. Like we went there when they had just been like, ah, COVID moved, never mind. Come on in, do whatever you want. And I was like, This is chaos. I'm gonna have a panic attack because I've just like hadn't been in a club for a while and also the COVID stuff, like anywhere I had been had been like fairly restricted. And I was like, Oh, this is this is a lot, but yeah. yeah, man, some fun to be had in Bilbao. Absolutely. Too much. Right. Potentially. Um, That's why you left. Yeah. All right. We'll let you go. Thanks very much for your time, Yannick. No worries. Thanks, boys. And uh, yeah, excited to see whether this one does as well as, as the previous. So we'll, we'll inflate the numbers. If not, we'll, me and James will just put it on repeat on our on our own phones or something until it racks the list. But we got you yeah. back. I'm not going to listen to this. I don't like the sound of any of our voices, so it's fine. (laughs) Well, all right, man. Thank you so much for coming on, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks a lot, guys. All the best. Take it easy. Bye.